Welcome back to the Couch Potato Coach Podcast. This is Coach Megan, and this is episode 16. Today I'm talking about boundaries. This is a very necessary topic. We don't talk about boundaries enough. There's sort of this unspoken shadow in the background that remains unseen, just causing problems. Um, I feel like the examples that we often get are very black and white easy to know, easy to recognize, and I tried to make it a little bit more gray so you could identify the areas that aren't spoken about as much. I'll be introducing you to two new people today. One is Britt Frank and her book, The Science of Stuck. The second is a personal colleague of mine and also a fantastic coach named Rosie Young. Rosie was kind enough to help me record a couple of role plays with me where we act out a few examples of healthy boundary setting versus unhealthy boundary setting. So I hope you guys enjoy that as much as we enjoyed recording those. One of the best definitions of boundaries I found comes from Brene Brown, and she basically just states that they are what is okay and what is not okay. Now, how do you know if you have a boundary problem? If you are feeling resentful, frustrated, taken advantage of, or disappointed within your relationship, then it's a safe bet that you have a boundary problem. What exactly are these boundaries? Well, in Atlas, Brene Brown writes, we can't connect with someone unless we're clear about where we end and they begin. She goes on to say that boundaries are what is okay and what is not okay. And she clarifies this point so well when she states, when people set a boundary with us, we can feel that they're denying us our right to our thinking and feeling. When we explain upfront what's okay, we move the focus to where it belongs. This expression of your feelings or thinking is a problem. Let's say you tell a good friend that you didn't reach out to make plans with them because you wanted to be respectful of their schedule and how busy they've been lately. That sounds pretty good, right? You're being a respectful, helpful friend. But your friend comes to you and says how hurt they've been that you haven't wanted to get together recently. Shouldn't the invitation to spend time with someone be extended to that person who is fully capable of making the decision for themselves? Why are you trying to evaluate what is best for someone else's schedule? Which brings me to my next point. I haven't heard people talk about this a lot, but thinking that you know what is best for someone else is actually a boundary issue. We get into serious trouble when we think we know what is best for someone else. This gets in the territory of boundary bullies. And I'm not proud to admit this, but when I first started employing boundaries, I used those bad boys as weapons to win arguments, make myself feel superior, prove how smart and educated I was, and overall just behave like a pompous know-it-all asks. Don't make the same mistakes that I've made. Boundaries are all about experiencing an authentic version of yourself. My core values drive my boundaries. I decide what is okay and what is not okay, but my own value system. And I don't use boundaries to knock other people down anymore. Now, if you aren't sure what a boundary bully is, Rosie and I role play a situation where I actually play a boundary bully. So that will give you a really good example of what I mean. I will get to that in just a minute. I wanted to make one quick and important point about boundary bullies. They are typically advice Now, I think you know what I mean. 
I am a recovering boundary bully and adviceaholic, so trust me, I am not over here on a high horse as I tell you this one. I struggle hard with this. Anyone who knows me can attest um, and catch myself still giving out advice even though I'm very committed to knocking it off. Why should you stop sharing valuable information with the people around you, you might ask? After all, you're only being helpful and you're sharing the wealth of knowledge that you have. It's because when you give out advice, you're assuming that you know what is best for the other person. Usually, okay, more like 99.99999% of the time, you are not an expert in the subject matter that you're doling out advice on, right? And also, 99.99999% of the time, you were not asked for your advice in the first place. Stop it. Stop providing quote-unquote educational material to someone who has a different opinion than yours. And listen, I am so guilty of this one. Not a perfect person over here, but I'm happy to say that I do not do this anymore. Um, So the situation went like this. Um, I would have a three-minute discussion with someone else, and they wouldn't express an opinion that was different than mine. And per Per usual, I was busy for about two and a half of those minutes telling them all about how my opinion, and I skipped the part where I asked them any questions about how they formed their opinion or if they were even going to, or if they were even open to hearing new information about the topic. After said conversation, I would spend three minutes Googling articles that supported that opinion and then send those articles to the person. Guys, this screams boundary bully. Of all the boundary transgressions, I hold this one in special esteem. It's extremely condescending to send someone else articles that support your opinion. You're assuming they don't have this information and that if they did, they would think exactly like you did without even asking about how they formed their opinion in the first place. Guys, if you choose to do this, don't expect a thank you in return. Maybe keep an eye out for a flaming bag of poop on your doorstep. This is not going to change anyone's mind. They will 99.9999% of the time not even open the article that you sent. Unless someone specifically asks you for information, asks you for advice, don't assume they are uneducated because their opinion is different than yours. Don't assume that they need your advice because they've never heard of the concept that you're telling them about. Don't assume that they need an intervention from you because clearly they can't come to the right conclusion on their own. Being judgmental and assuming that you know best is a recipe for poop bags on your porch. So you know how to get those if that's what you're after. In all seriousness, I used to do stuff like this and tell myself that I was helping other people. In reality, all this accomplished was disconnection between people that I liked, admired, wanted to be closer to. If you desire to cultivate strong, intimate connections with other people, then you can't assume that you know what's best for their life. Okay, let me get off my soapbox and we will get into some role playing that I did with Rosie. So in this situation, um, you are going to meet Ashley and Nicole. Ashley and Nicole are coworkers who frequently go to happy hours together to blow off steam after a stressful workday. They love unwinding with a few drinks, and there have been many occasions where Nicole had a few too many. 
Nicole recently made the decision to quit drinking. So let's listen in on what it looks like when she breaks the news to Ashley. All right. Oh, hey, Ashley. There you are. Hey, hi. I just got to have you. So good to see you. Oh, my gosh. I am so happy you're here, Nicole. What a crazy crap week that we have had. I know. So stressful. I've already ordered drinks so you can chill out and relax. Like, cheers. Let's let's drink our cares away, all right? Like, we need this. Oh, my goodness. Ashley, that's so nice. But I'm actually – I'm not going to drink. What? Yeah, I've decided I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. Do you have any idea how bad alcohol is for like your liver and stuff? Uh, uh, that was never what? what? What happened, Nicole? Like this never came up before. Like, oh my, th- this you used to be the person to initiate this. What happened? No, I know. I just uh, there's all this bad stuff that alcohol does to your body, and you make bad choices when you drink. And I just think that I shouldn't drink anymore. And you know what? It's probably a good idea if you don't drink anymore either. Wait, okay, wait. So now I'm a bad person. And you're saying I'm like my liver's gone to crap. And what are you well, talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. No, alcohol has a whole host of bad stuff that happens to your body. It's really unhealthy for you. Listen, I'm doing this three week cleanse, and I'm following this girl on Instagram, and she's talking about her sobriety journey. And you should, you could just do it with me. Let's just take these drinks and get rid of them, and we'll just get some sodas. Did you notice that Nicole felt the need to share her decision with a- and tell Ashley that it was what was best for Ashley too? So the decision wasn't just right for Nicole. She wanted to push it on Ashley and have Ashley validate her choice by agreeing to go along with it. Let's try this again. This time, Nicole is going to hold her boundary even though Ashley doesn't want to respect it right away. Oh, hey, Ashley. Hey. Oh, I'm so glad I found you. It's packed in here. What a fun happy hour. Oh my gosh, Nicole. Thank goodness. Uh, it has been such a crazy week, hasn't it? I'm <sighs> so stressed. I need yes. this drink like you wouldn't believe. Oh I've already goodness. ordered for both of us. Grab yours. Let's cheers our cares away. Oh, that is so nice of you. I actually, I'm not going to drink right now. So I'll just order, you know, a club soda and I'll cheers with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, whoa, it was whoa. so. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Nicole, what? It, what? What happened to my friend Nicole? And who's like, what do you mean you're not drinking right now? You're going to get a club soda. <laughs> well, yeah, I just I just decided, you know, I wasn't going to drink. So, like, but I just still today? cheers you. And no, I, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm just going to take a break for a while. Yeah. Are you okay? Did something happen? Like, are you sick? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, you know, you know. Yeah, it's, it's okay. You can tell me. me, like it, like is is this like a new health thingy or like what's going on? Everything okay? <laughs> Everything is fine. Oh my goodness, Ashley! I just decided I'm not gonna drink tonight. Yeah, that's all. But we can okay. still let me get a club soda and we'll cheers. And yeah, oh, this week was so stressful, wasn't it? Girl, are you pregnant? Like, oh is my that, god, is that what's going on? Are you pregnant? Oh you can tell me. You can tell me. <laughs> Ashley, I'm not <laughs> pregnant. This has nothing to do with that. I'm not I saying promise. you're fat. I'm not saying you're fat. I'm just like you can tell me. It's, it's like not it. weird to not okay. drink for a little bit. It's not weird. It's yeah. It's are okay. You sh- are you sure? This I is your favorite you. drink. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not pregnant. It's totally okay <laughs> if I don't drink tonight. I'm just gonna All grab right. this club soda. And here, let's cheers okay. and let's just um, – yeah, let's – oh, this week was stressful, wasn't it? It was, yes. In that example, Nicole didn't let Ashley surprise over her change or, frankly, invasive and rude line of questioning deter her decision. 
She didn't make a big deal of it and made sure to change the topic and get on with the night. Sure, she could have told Ashley off for asking about a pregnancy or told her off for not being more supportive of her decision. This is all about knowing where you end and where another person begins. In order to do that, you have to recognize and fully understand that your emotions are your responsibility. You are the only only person responsible for making yourself feel any sort of way, period. And I know a lot of you have heard this before and you're probably nodding along and this isn't new news. No, it's not. But I know from experience coaching that while a lot of people may cognitively understand that other people are not responsible for their feelings, they do not actually act in a manner that demonstrates this is something they believe at the unconscious level. I'm going to add a quick disclaimer here. The unconscious level, unconscious mind, automatic nervous system, whatever terminology that you want to call it is where the answers lie to many of our frustrations. They are things that we do automatically, meaning we aren't consciously aware of them, like breathing and our heart beating. We don't think about these things happening. They just happen. And we know that they happen because we're still alive, right? So... This describes that sort of light bulb phenomenon of when someone points something out to us that we didn't previously notice, and then it becomes glaringly obvious. Like buy that blue Toyota and suddenly you see blue Toyotas everywhere. The fact is they were always there. You just weren't paying attention to them. A lot of what I talk about in my podcast and a lot of the research that I do is all about bringing automatic habits into the spotlight. If you can see them, you can change them. Okay, that was my quick disclaimer for anyone who wanted to tune me out because I mentioned the unconscious level. Let me give you an example of what I mean when I say that we don't act like we're responsible for our own emotions. I'm going to play the next role-playing session that I recorded with Rosie. In this situation, Nancy and Lisa are getting married. Lisa comes from a traditional Chinese family, and both ladies were a little scared that Lisa's family wouldn't accept a lesbian wedding as a real wedding. They were surprised and delighted when Lisa's traditional Chinese mother was thrilled for her daughter's wedding, so much so that she insisted on adding many traditional ceremonies into their wedding ceremony. Nancy was feeling frustrated that her soon-to-be mother-in-law was hijacking the wedding, So let's listen in on the conversation between Nancy and Lisa and see how it goes. Lisa, do you have a minute? I really wanted to talk to you about something that's been bothering me. Oh, of course, sweetie. What's up? Yeah, so I just feel like your mom has kind of taken over our wedding. And she wants to include all of these ceremonies. And I'm a little confused. It seems like she's sort of taken over and we don't really have a say. Oh, it's it's sort of just kind of how she's been her whole life, to be honest. Like, I'm not saying that what she's doing is right, but it's we really need to give some of these traditions to her. Like, she has heart, her heart set on seeing me married. I'm the firstborn child. Like, this is her first wedding in our family, and it's really important. It's it's cultural too, right? Like, it's part of our customs to do a bunch of this stuff and. I think it's to me, it's just let's grin and bear it and just do it so that we can get married and move on. I get that these cultures are important to her, but it didn't really seem like they were all that important to you or to me. And it's supposed to be our wedding and they're supposed to be accepting us as a couple Mm -hmm. um, to accept that we were getting married. But it just feels like it feels I I don't Mm. feel like I have a say. 
Well, I don't know if I would, I mean, I feel like you and I have both the same amount of say um, in terms of what we can control. Like, I, I know it's, there's people that are being invited that, you know, maybe I, I wouldn't have chosen to invite anyway, but um, I don't, every other Chinese wedding I've been to has been kind of the same, to be honest. It's like the parents have to invite all their friends and it's all the people about status and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest, like I, I know what you're saying about the acceptance. I feel like in her heart, she really does accept you and us. I don't want to fight with her. Like this was such a, a big thing to get to this point. Uh, I'm kind of picking and choosing my battles. Okay. I mean, I get that. And I I do understand where you're coming from and I want you to be happy, but you're really, you're saying yes to every single thing she's asking. Isn't there some way that we can say no to certain items? Uh, it's just, I mean, I guess the tea ceremony would be one. I don't really understand it. Um, it's, it doesn't, it seems like it's going to drag out the ceremony much longer than it needs to be Yeah. Uh, along with the other things that your mother has asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if we could exclude that, that would be great. It's just, I feel like I have no say here and you're mm-hmm. just going along with your mother is making it worse and it's really saying like I have no say. Hmm. Well, I mean, what could we, what could we do? Because it's, well, yeah, your, I'm kind of feeling it's torn. It's your mother? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you sort of have to make a choice. Like, do you want to please your mother or do you want to, you know, please your bride? We're the ones getting married. Okay. Let's just talk about what happened in that conversation. Nancy didn't want to listen to Lisa at all. All she did was push her own agenda and ask Lisa to essentially fix the situation. Nancy didn't take any responsibility for her own feelings, and she didn't try to understand the situation from her fiancé's position. She didn't take ownership of her her part. She wasn't actually telling her mother-in-law no, and then she was expecting her fiancé to go and have the conversation for her when her fiancé didn't even agree with Nancy. So let's listen in on how the conversation could go if Nancy paid attention to her own boundaries and also took responsibility for her own emotions. I hope this is an example of how subtle something like crossing a boundary can be. All right. So, hey, um, Lisa, uh, do you have a minute? I really – I wanted to talk to you about some of these things that your mom is adding into our wedding. Actually, a lot of these things that your mom is adding into our wedding. Oh, yes. Of course, sweetie. What's, What's up? Yeah, I'm kind of upset because, you know, I know it was a big deal for your mom when, you know, we announced we were getting married. Obviously, you know, we're Mm -hmm. wife and wife here and Mm you're a traditional Chinese mother. Took that very well, I thought. Um, But it just feels like we don't have a say under what's going on in our wedding and she's planning the whole thing for us and it doesn't feel like my wedding anymore. Nancy, I'm yeah. You know what? I I, I get it. I, I'm having some of that feeling myself, and I know about all these like customs and traditions. Um, maybe if I explained a little bit, because like it. Yes, I'm. I'm glad you see that she is trying to accept you, and I think deep down in her heart, she really is. But these traditions, like the tea ceremony and a bunch of stuff, which I know adds time, and it's not something we might choose for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But this is everything she went through when she got married. And like I'm her firstborn child. I'll be the first child getting married in the family. And she's it's been her dream to see this for me and to be part of it for her whole life. So um, with everything that she's 
gone through. Not that it should have been hard, but um, I, I just feel like I, I don't want to fight about everything. And mm-hmm. um, I'd rather just have her there and be happy for us than to try to like make it something that is our wedding versus where, where she doesn't feel like she's included. Mm. All right. Okay. That actually is really helpful to hear where you're coming from because I was over here just wondering if it didn't bother you. And it sounds like these are really important cultural aspects to both you and your mom. Okay. So would it be okay if I, you know, talk to your mom about including some of the things that I would like in the wedding? Oh, Maybe absolutely. we could all talk together. That way I wouldn't have to feel like I have no say and I would be able to include her in the decisions without, you know, feeling like I can't speak my mind or say my opinion. Oh my gosh. I had no idea that's how you were feeling. I'm so glad you're talking to me about this right now. Yes. I don't want you to feel excluded at all. I'm so sorry that that's how you have been feeling. And for sure, like this, as much as I want to have the aspects of you know, our, our customs and whatnot that will make her feel like this is a like a, a real wedding, like the wedding that she feels like, yes, yeah, she's sending off her daughter to be with a, a good family and in good hands. I absolutely want you to have that same feeling for yourself. So for sure, let's have a conversation and, and talk about what your needs are too and what you want. Oh, that's so great to hear. Thanks for listening. Right. <laughs> that sounded much different, didn't it? Nancy paid attention to what Lisa had to say, and this is the first big thing. It was truly a conversation, not just Nancy telling Lisa what Lisa was supposed to do. Nancy listened to what Lisa had to say, and this led to greater understanding on Nancy's part. So then Nancy took ownership of the situation when she asked Lisa if they could go have a conversation with Lisa's mom. After all, it was something that Lisa's mother was doing that was making Nancy uncomfortable not Lisa. This wasn't about controlling the situation. It was about understanding the position of all of the parties involved so Nancy could make an informed decision about how she wanted to move forward. That's a demonstration of healthy boundaries. In my own life, when I finally understood that my emotions were my responsibility, I realized that I had to do some work by myself before I even brought up the situation to someone else. Other people are not responsible for curing our feelings. I wish I had understood what this looked like at a much younger age. Again, please feel free to learn from my mistakes. (laughs) I used to avoid confrontation completely. I would just be agreeable, and if I didn't like something or disagreed, I wouldn't voice it. I would shove it completely down and not express it at all. I was a chameleon. And it was exhausting, completely changing who I was depending on who was in the room. This led me to a place where I was deeply unhappy and had no clue what an authentic version of myself looked like. This is a really hard place to be in. And when I first learned about boundaries, I was ecstatic. I thought this was freedom. And I went way overboard and decided I was going to speak up every time. And did I ever. I swung out far in the other direction and became a huge boundary bully. I thought I was doing the self-help step of speaking up for myself. And yes, you do need to have the difficult conversations. You have to be vulnerable with the people that you love and tell them what you need if you want the relationships to grow. But first, you have to figure out who you are and what it is you need. And I skipped that step. 
I went from not expressing any of my emotions to expressing all of my emotions. If I was angry before, you would never know it. If I was angry at this stage, I was going to get in your face and tell you all about it. And seriously, I'm not sure how my husband has put up with me for over the last decade while I was learning the skill. When I was feeling angry, it felt overwhelming and uncomfortable, almost like I was itchy in my own skin and I had to take action to fix it right then. I would go and unload all my anger at the person who I felt caused my anger. And I learned by doing this, I didn't feel angry anymore. You guys, I'm feeling very vulnerable about sharing all of this and also wondering how I still have friends, but I'm going to keep plowing through my discomfort to get to my point. I, it was my expression of anger that was not okay. And also when I was expressing my anger this way and I was experiencing myself as this person, I really didn't like myself. So here I was doing what I thought was the right healthy thing of telling people how I was feeling and feeling worse about myself and confused and lost. And it took a lot of reading from many different sources and a lot of journaling and some therapy for me to realize that being responsible for my own emotions means tending to them first, alone, before bringing them up to someone else. I still feel I am being fully authentic if I wait to bring something up until I'm not feeling an intense emotion. I don't think it's okay to bring up subjects that you find difficult to talk about only when you're experiencing emotional discomfort. If you have something to communicate to someone else, don't do it when you're flooded with big emotions. Take time to understand what the emotion is telling you first. If necessary, do an activity that helps you move through the emotion so it doesn't feel so big and overwhelming. Then when you're feeling calm and clear-headed, that's when you're ready to go and speak to the other person about it and you'll be able to express it in a way that honors your boundaries and theirs. If you need some examples of activities to help you move through emotions, then Britt's book is full of them. According to her website, Britt Frank received her undergraduate degree from Duke University and master's degree from the University of Kansas. She is a licensed psychotherapist and trauma expert who's trained in internal family systems and somatic experiencing. In addition to her private practice, Britt is also a speaker and an award-winning adjunct instructor at the University of Kansas, where she's taught classes on ethics, addiction, and clinical social work. Her book is called The Science of Stuck, and you can learn more about it on her website, scienceofstuck.com. I will add a link to it under the podcast tab on my website, couchpotatocoachllc.com. I personally love the way she wrote the book. It's super easy to keep coming back to because she wrote each, each section as like a standalone. You can go directly to the sections that apply to you, skip the ones you aren't interested in, um, she presents all the information in a very straightforward, easy to understand way. Her exercises I found to be practical and easy to implement in my busy life. I feel like anyone could do them. So I wanted to bring up her book during this podcast because she has a section that's called um, How to Human, which deserves a mention all on its own. Like how great is that name? But anyway, in that chapter, she writes 
quote, the space between expectations and reality is the birthplace of resentment, end quote. She systematically breaks down how to employ boundaries by distinguishing the difference between a request and a boundary with fantastic examples. A request is something that depends on the cooperation of the other person. A behavioral boundary is a choice that you make in response to another person's behavior. So one of the many helpful examples that she provides in the book talks about how a husband likes to arrive at the airport much earlier than his wife does. And a request would be the husband asking his wife to be ready earlier. A boundary would be the husband telling his wife if she's not ready by 12 p.m. to leave for the airport, then he will be taking an Uber alone to get there at a time he is more comfortable with. The latter doesn't require cooperation from his wife, and he's clear about what he will do. The whole book is full of helpful information, and I highly recommend that you pick up a copy wherever it is that you like to buy books. Now, when I'm feeling angry, the boundary I've selected for myself is that I won't engage with the other party until I've taken steps to manage my own anger. I mean, most of the time, I'm human and I slip up. But it's the same with any other emotion. If I'm feeling sad or my feelings are hurt or I'm feeling disappointed by something someone else did, the first thing I do is attend to my own emotions and I have processes for that. But I think I've mentioned this before. When we're feeling an intense emotion, the part of our brain that determines choice is offline. We are reactive in this state and will default to automatic settings, so to speak. And if you're working on growing and changing your automatic reactions, you can't successfully navigate a difficult conversation from this place. My process looks something like this. Um, first, I take a moment to feel where the emotion is showing up in my body. I work through that first. Then I notice the thoughts running around my head and I reflect on them. Do they represent the best version of myself? Are they factual? Are they representative of my values? Do they need to be tweaked? And if you're completely unfamiliar with attending to your own emotions, I think a great resource and place to start is Dr. Kristen Neff's work surrounding self-compassion. I know I've mentioned her a few times before. I will add a link to her book in the summary of this podcast on my website in case you're interested in that. But once you have attended to your own emotions and heard the story behind them, then you're ready to go have the conversation if, this is the big one, if you still need to. I think about 50% of the time, it turns out a conversation isn't necessary. It was just, it was something more that I needed to work out for myself. For my next role play with Rosie, we're going to listen in as Mindy's boss, Larry, piles on an additional project. Let's hear how this goes. Hey, Mindy, you got a second for your old boss, Larry? Of course, Larry, anything you need. Oh, awesome. Uh, listen, Mindy, you've been doing stellar work uh, on the Smith file. That oh, that thanks. Just, yeah, like everybody's raving about the incredible work that you did and the fact that you gave up like your last three weekends to make sure we didn't miss the deadline. We're so appreciative. Like you are you are our number one star when it oh, comes thanks. to like, oh, oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much. It's Absolutely. great to hear. Absolutely. And Mindy, we want to make sure that you get seen and recognized for your great work. So I have another fantastic opportunity for you that I think will it'll really show how well you shine at what uh, you do. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, this is gonna be this is gonna be great, Mindy. There's uh, another major client uh, file coming up. 
Mm-hmm. And it's another one of those rush emergency situations in which you do like your best work. Uh, <sighs> so this is probably like, what day is it today? Friday. Um, yeah, this is probably going to take up, well, knowing you, you do it super fast, but it might take up most of your weekend because it's critical urgent. Like the client is in a panic and they need to see first draft of our final report by Tuesday. So, uh, you know, there's certainly going to be, you know, I'll be available by email if you need to like send me anything over the weekend. Uh, but I think this is such a great opportunity. I didn't want you to miss it. So what do you think? Uh, I, Larry, I just, there are a bunch of other projects on my plate too. And I'm, I, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. But you can handle it. You can handle it, Mindy. Like, I see how amazing you just turn stuff out and you're you're not afraid of hard work. There are so many other people who, like, just keep saying no to stuff. And it's like, gosh, are they even dedicated to this? I see how dedicated you are. I I have every confidence in you that you can handle this. Okay. Um, Yeah. You know, well, it was, it's my grandmother's birthday this weekend and I'm supposed to have a bunch of people at my house. So. Oh, that's totally fine. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely celebrate that. There's, there's plenty of time. I mean, the whole weekend is what, 48 hours. So there's plenty of time for you to have your birthday and also still get this work done. Um, Yeah. I just, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Larry. Um, all right. Sure. Yeah. I could take that awesome. on. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you give me the file and I'll get started right away? Oh, no problem. I'll have my assistant send that stuff over to you right away. This is going to be amazing. Good for you. Your career is really going to skyrocket because of this. So thanks for being a team player, Mindy. You're, you're, I knew I could rely on you. You're awesome. Mindy didn't have a boundary there. She gave in to Larry's request, but you don't hear on the dialogue is the fallout from that decision. Mindy left the office feeling resentful and frustrated. She went home to her three kids and was curt with them all night. She snapped at her husband. The next day, when her oldest asked her for help with his math assignment, she snapped she didn't have a time and he would have to figure it out himself. As he left the room defeated, she felt guilty but told herself she needed to get this project done and that eventually he would understand she worked this hard to provide a better life for her family. Sound familiar? Mindy went to bed exhausted, frustrated, and full of anger. The next morning, she decided the next time her boss asked her to take an additional project on and work all weekend, she was going to say no. Her career was important to her, and her family was also important to her, and she needed more balance. Let's listen to Larry and Mindy the following weekend. Hey, Mindy. Got some, uh, got some minutes for your old boss, Larry? Oh, yeah. Hey, Larry. Come on in. Oh, great, great. Uh, Listen, Mindy, you did a stellar job on that Smith file. Like, it was just incredible work. And the way you, like, worked every weekend for the last three weekends to get this done. Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, thank you. I'm so – yeah, thanks for recognizing that work. It was a lot of work. It was so much time. I mean, all the senior leadership team saw it, and I was like – when a new opportunity came up that had another urgent deadline, we were all like, yes, Mindy is the go-to person. She is our superstar. She is always dedicated to the job, never says like, no, I can't do that. She has a can-do attitude. And I know you're going to do a fantastic job at this. What is it? It's today Friday? Yeah. We yeah. just got a call from another major client. They have a, an emergency situation like they always do, right, Mindy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they need our, our first draft of our final report by Tuesday of next week. So oh, I hope wow. you can just take this and do your, your magic again and you know maybe spend the weekend working on this so we can get a first uh, review together on Monday. Oh, man. Uh, Larry, uh, this is putting me in an awkward situation. Um, I, I know 
you've given me every opportunity and it's really hard to turn something down, especially when I want to advance my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I cannot do that this weekend. Is there any way that we could see if they could move the deadline out a little bit so we can accommodate that? I just, my workload won't allow me to spend time on that this weekend. You know, Minnie, I totally hear your concerns. I mean, you know how some of these clients are, right? So we already yeah. tried to ask them if there was any uh, later deadline that we could meet, but you should hear their story. Once you see the file, you'll understand why it's so mission critical for them to get this done. And mm-hmm. I really don't want to lose this client. This is going to be like big revenue for all of us, including you. So I want to make sure that this does meet the high standards. And I know that you're the best person to do it. Ugh. Yeah, that is... That sounds really important, and I definitely don't want to lose the client either. Um, Unfortunately, I cannot accept the assignment. I'm going to have to say no, Larry. Oh, I kind of don't know what to say, Mindy. I don't think I've ever seen you not accept an assignment for Like, what what is it that's holding you back? Because this is a great opportunity for you and for me. I know. You're right. It's just that – I mean, you said it yourself, the past couple of weekends I've worked nonstop mm-hmm. and I need to take a break. I have some plans this weekend with my family and that's really important to me along with my work. And I already mm-hmm. have, you know, I, I already have a full caseload of projects. So I can't just provide our clients with subpar customer service to take care of these emergency clients, maybe we need to talk about creating a team of people just for these emergency situations so that we have staff and time available. Um, That could be a possible solution. And I would be really happy to talk to you more about how we could um, work within the structure of our environment here to make some changes that would make these things feasible because it's Friday afternoon and I don't have the availability this weekend to make that happen. And if that means we lose a big client, then there's something wrong within the structure of our company. I don't know about you guys, but I'm happy for Mindy. She was able to hold firm in a situation that was very difficult for her. Boundaries are all about deciding what is okay and what is not okay. And then expressing those boundaries in a way that leaves you proud of who you are. Mindy's boss would not have heard a comment about the flaw within their system if she had screamed it in his face about how undervalued she was and then stormed out of the office. Expression matters. Boundaries are expressions of our most authentic selves. So this episode was a lot. I know this is a bit longer than my typical podcast, so thank you for hanging in there with me. I hope the role plays were fun and facilitated a greater understanding on your part. I want to give a big shout out to Rosie for showing up and doing those with me. We didn't use a script, but came up with everything on the fly, and I think we both had a lot of fun doing them. I know I did. I'll be featuring Rosie on my website, so you can learn more about her there. She is the president and founder of Changing Lenses, where she leverages her many certifications along with her 20 years of corporate executive experience to help others change their perspective and transform their lives. Rosie and I stumbled across one another during a coach training program that we both participated in, and I was drawn to her courage, her authenticity, and her tenacity, and I feel very lucky we've continued to get to know one another over these past few months. My challenge for you this month is to set a boundary and express yourself in a way that makes you proud. 
And also, I haven't reminded you of this in a while, and I wanted to make sure to mention it. Please continue to write down five things you're grateful for every morning. It's very simple, but it's very powerful. Thank you all for bearing with me here. I have a cold. I'm dealing with congestion and a raspy voice. Hopefully it wasn't too distracting. I hope you found this information helpful and maybe you'll avoid some of the pitfalls that I fell into. More than anything else, I do this so that you can come here anytime you need to know that you are not alone.